0: I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer, and welcome to Kramer and Brill, a podcast about fantasy football. And each week we bring you an analysis of what you need to know about your fantasy football team and uh, make it the best you can be. Now, for, for me, Bob Brill, you get a half century's worth of knowledge on ins and outs of playing fantasy sports. From Eric Kramer, well, get the inside info from a guy who's been on the NFL stage. Top quarterback with the Lions and Bears. Eric is up on today's players and, and tends to, you know, lend his insights to the game itself. Something you won't find from me or almost anybody else on the planet who hasn't played the game. So you won't find a better combination. Each week, beginning on Thursday night, we take a look at the players in each upcoming game. The trends, the insights, uh, uh, more than just the statistics. And for the first eight weeks, what we're doing is we're going division by division and al- analyzing the players on those teams in that division to getting you ready for your fantasy draft. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That's at Stitcher, Libsum, iTunes, a whole lot more. And uh, you can always find us on the link on the homepage to start on KramerAndBrill.com. Just go to www.KramerAndBrill.com and right at the top of the page, you'll see a picture of the Bears lineup with Eric there. And also uh, right underneath that, you'll see, uh, it'll say, um, click here, for the latest podcast. And what that'll do is that's going to take you to the website where our podcasts are hosted. And then you can pick up uh, whatever podcast you want. Another way to get there is to go on our Uh, website, just go to the tab that says podcasts and click on that. That'll take you to the podcast page. And When you get there, you will again see all the podcasts listed. Uh, Download them, listen to them on your phone or your tablet, wherever you're going to listen to them to, on your home computer, sleep at night, and uh, just enjoy them. Hopefully, we're going to give you a lot of insight. So first, let me introduce you to my friend and colleague and my co-host, former NFL quarterback, Eric Kramer. Eric, uh, we spoke in the very first show you made a statement, and I'm going to hold you to it because I want you to explain it right now. Mm-hmm. And that is that if you were picking, Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs would be your number one pick. Why not? I mean,
1: <clears throat> he, in his second, what, first starting year, but second overall season, mm-hmm. through for 50 touchdowns. 50 touchdowns. And you know, that's... everywhere, every field he stepped onto, he walked off of it, um, you know, making an impression. And so here he's now coming into his third year. Playing for probably the best or one of the best play callers in the NFL with Andy Reid, and why not take Patrick Mahomes? He's uh, why not take him for the next ten years
0: with your first pick? He's going to be if you don't take him. If you get the first pick and you don't take him, you're not going to get him. He's going to be gone. He's, you know If somebody takes a, decides to take a running back, whether it's uh, uh, Saquon Barkley or whether it's um, you know Le'Veon Bell or somebody, the very next pick, or at least in the next two picks, are going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be there. So you've you got to take him if, if you have the opportunity. I
1: agree. I, I get the feeling watching Patrick Mahomes, it's like watching uh, the newer, better version of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in their primes. Well, he, I want to say it a lot. He, well, I mean, he, he, there's not many guys who threw 50 touchdowns. There's, in fact, there's no one that threw 50 touchdowns in their second year or yeah. first year starting. So <clears throat> I think, um, again, he's got all everything you could possibly want. Himself is loaded with talent. He's got a great play caller. He's got a team built. It was like it was built, there it was, and in he comes. So they're loaded with talent everywhere offensively. Uh, They're going to score in the neighborhood of 35, 40 points per game. It's going to take somebody's. I haven't looked at their schedule uh, clearly yet, but as I look at it right now, um, I don't see a defense on here other than. Okay, so they play Baltimore in the third game of the season.
0: Uh, well, the teams are going to play twice, and uh, none of them are, are great defensive units.
1: No, they Hang. play New England in the fourth to last game of the season. They play Chicago in the next to the last game of the season. So they've got maybe two or three defenses on this schedule that p- potentially pose some problems. Other than that,
0: they're going to walk out the field. Scoring 35, 40 points a game. And we're talking six of those games against their own division. You're talking uh, Denver, you're talking um, Oakland. Uh, Oakland, and uh, also. San, uh, uh, well, it used San to be Diego, San Diego, uh, but uh, LA, LA Chargers. San, LA yeah. Chargers, yeah. So none of those teams have outstanding defenses anywhere near the Bears, or the Ravens, or anything like that. So uh, with a high powered offense like this, uh, I, I think before I get to the cast around him, I want to talk about the intangibles of Mahomes. First of all, you mentioned uh, 50 touchdowns. and. He only threw twelve interceptions. Yeah, as I was so, about to say, he doesn't
1: make mistakes.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, this is the guy, and he also runs and uh, makes makes good decisions there. So uh, it, is that something that he's developed, or do you think that's um, a part of Andy Reid, or maybe both?
1: I think it's always been a part of Patrick Mahomes, and it's also he's got a great. Offensive mind in Andy Reid, who's coached other great quarterbacks prior to Patrick Mahomes. And, uh, uh, McNabb be one of them. McNabb was one. Brett Favre was one. Um, and Alex Smith was one right before Patrick Mahomes.
0: And that was an unusual situation because uh, Alex Smith came in very highly rated, didn't really – make it to that level. And then he gets under Andy Reid in Kansas City, and now oh, she's like an all-pro
1: quarterback. And voila. That's right. So it's, a, it's the constant in that scenario you just painted was Andy Reid. And Patrick Mahomes is just another in what Andy Reid has already built
0: a strong stable of quarterbacks to uh, positively affect in their careers. Now we get to the cast around um, Patrick Mahomes, and this is a big question mark because, you know, the last – Couple of years, or at least last year, he had Kareem Hunt and he had uh, Terry Hill. Both guys, uh, Hunt is gone. Uh, Hill is looks like he's going to be gone for at least part of the season. We don't know where that's all going to end up. And mm-hmm. those are both from off the field issues and not anything to do with talent. And so that brings around him. Uh, a different type of situation. Now we know that uh, Travis Kelsey is is the constant there, and uh, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, is one of the most outstanding tight ends, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about him in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that leaves uh, a guy they brought in, uh, and that's Carlos Hyde, who's been around. It leaves uh, Damian Williams. And uh, before we even get to the wide receivers, let's go ahead and talk about the running back. So what do, what do you like there? What do you don't like?
1: Well, I don't like the fact they don't have Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill, who's a, a dynamic runner when he gets the chance, is not going to be on the field to start the season. So it leaves guys like Damian Williams, who you just mentioned, who, you know, had an OK last four or five games of the season last year where he ran for a total of 256 yards, which is not much. And and I think, you know, Carlos Hyde has been, you know, a proven commodity in this league for a little bit, but himself is not a dynamic running back. Um, they've got good, solid, consistent players, but uh, nobody that really lights up someone's fantasy football roster from the running back position. I mean, Mahomes outran
0: anybody that's on the team. Right. <laughs> you know? So yeah. uh, And yep. so if you have that um, and you – well, before we go there, uh, let's go to the wide receivers. Talk about uh, Sammy Watkins, who's been around, was former Ram um, with Buffalo. And uh, Watkins has been one of those guys that is – he's – Inconsistent. Yeah, that's. I, I think he's, it's probably the best. He's
1: potentially word. dynamic. He's big. He's physical. He's fast. Uh, does not run precise routes. He's not um, somebody that he's not a Jerry Rice type of receiver. Um, but, and he was injured last year. He was. He missed what six games, I think, with uh, due
0: to a foot injury. He's been injured, injured a lot in his career. I mean, Buffalo it never seemed he was on the field for half the season. Yeah, you know. And if he was, he wasn't in the whole game. And it's just, I, I've, I drafted Sammy Watkins very early. I thought this was a guy who was just going to be really a stud. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I wasted a draft pick. And I cut him after the second or third year. And I said, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'll get. I'll find somebody else. I'll find anybody who can fill that void because he's just not productive, and I don't see him being
1: productive. You know, you mentioned uh, San Francisco is going to go into this preseason looking to uh, maybe prove to themselves and what they can do offensively and defensively, for that matter. They're going to have to. Some players are going to have to step up this preseason and assert themselves in order to have a role going into the season. I think Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs is going to be one of those type of players. Um, and Because they've got holes to fill. Um, they've got production that from last year that they had that is no longer there. And so a guy like Sammy Watkins is going to have to step up and prove early on, and I mean before the season begins, that he can be something he's not been so far, and that's a reliable option.
0: Hmm. Sammy Coates is in the same situation, I think, as uh, he's been around a while, and he hasn't um, performed like uh, the draft pick that he, he was going to uh, expected to be and uh, you also have uh, they drafted a rookie very high, and uh, that was you put out McCle McColey Hartman. I don't know. you got me on that one. But, uh, they drafted him uh, i believe in the uh the fr- uh, second round out of Georgia uh 5 foot 10 wide receiver uh, so they're looking to replace that Tariq Hill uh early on and uh, they also have uh, DeMarcus Robinson and and uh Byron Pringle guys that you know just don't guys you've never heard of. Exactly. In guys other that words. just don't light up your fancy, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I, but Patrick Mahomes has to throw to someone not named Travis Kelsey. So they're going to have – some of these guys are going to have to step up and become potentially impact players on your fantasy football team because uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to throw for less than 40 touchdowns this year. Right. So so he's got to throw the ball to somebody.
0: So somebody's going to step up in that offense, and if you look at who that might be – I'm thinking very much that you might be talking a rookie, and um, the reason I say that is here's a guy that's hungry, and the other guys who've been around a while we mentioned Sammy Watkins don't seem to be as hungry. And I see Mahomes, which
1: is weird because yeah. all everybody knows playing for the Chiefs, you're playing for the best play caller in the league, not named Sean McVay.
0: Yeah, and and, and you've got such a dynamic quarterback who can lift you up. Because he's young, and I think the fact that uh, he's he's obviously taken charge back there. He's uh, got a good head uh, on his shoulders. And I think that a quarterback like that, and it's just my own conjecture, just from my own thoughts, the way I think, uh, a quarterback like that, a play caller like that, head coach, and players who maybe haven't stepped up in their career – Leaves that door open for the rookies, and that's why I'm thinking guys like uh, Hardman and, and some of the other rookies that uh, you may experience uh, in the uh, um, in the preseason. I mean, you know, because there's gonna be a lot of guys get some experience in the mm-hmm. preseason yeah. you haven't heard of, and watch those guys. I think some of those guys could step up and might be some real good sleeper picks.
1: I yeah, and I think one of them could be the guy you mentioned earlier. You went ahead and drafted Sammy Watkins very high last yeah. year, but I think this year. He's not going to be a high-fantasy draft pick, but he could come into play in that he could, be, he, he could start to get it mentally of what he needs to start doing to show up every day and become a reliable option for Patrick Mahomes and for Andy Reid to think he can be a reliable option. And also, don't forget, uh, you know, um, Tyreek Hill is going to come back at some point this season, and there's a guy that knows how to make the most of an opportunity.
0: Well, also, uh, Kelsey. When oh, we talk about Kelsey, um, you know, obviously this is a guy who's probably maybe first, second tight end, taken off the board, do you
1: think? For sure. Yeah. Especially the fact that there's all the other wide receiver options that were there last year are not there to start right. the season. So he- – that means, again,
0: Patrick Mahomes going to throw the ball to somebody. That's the guy he's going to throw the ball to early. And you, usually, you know, you're not looking at tight ends being doubled. If you're going to double somebody, it's usually the wide receiver. And I, there are certain situations where it does happen. You know, the guy's that dynamic. But uh, probably he's going to be the open option, but he also is going to be that first option after the lookoff, right? Well, think about think. Uh, here's how I think about it is that uh, <clears throat> when
1: I was playing predominantly in the 90s, okay, so the best receiver at that time was Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. The best cover corner was the best it's ever been, in my opinion, Deion Sanders. Guess who would not ever, for one snap in a game, play in the slot? Jerry. Deion Sanders. Oh, oh Deion Sanders. Yeah. So the 49ers would line up Jerry Rice in a, as a wide receiver on one side by himself. But with a tight split, and then Deion Sanders would line up on him on that side. Mm -hmm. Then the 49ers would motion somebody outside of Jerry Rice, and guess who bumps out Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. So now Jerry Rice is locked up on someone on their probably third best corner, who's in the nickel slot. So that's that's what I think. um, You know, when when Travis Kelsey, when Andy Reid is a great not only play caller, but he, he works his own offensive scheme and, and alignment packages and formations to free up players like Travis Kelsey, whether it's motioning Travis Kelsey or someone outside of Travis Kelsey so that he can get the matchup he's looking for. And, and he's got the guy that can pull the trigger to make that happen
0: in Patrick Mahomes. And the thing you just talked about is the thing that most fans – and especially fantasy fans don't even think about it. Never think about the Deion Sanders-Jerry Rice matchup, which is why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for thinking of that. I, you know, no, no, it's, it's just, you know, one of those things that, you know, uh, that uh, most people don't think about. And when you're drafting a fantasy team, you're serious about this stuff, you know, and uh, most fantasy players are. Uh, it, it's really important. You know, to think about, okay, that's where this goes. That's why I draft this guy. That's why later in, the, in the, uh, when I'm looking at pickups during the week, where am I looking to pick up? Right. Oh, that, yeah.
1: Th- that's the kind of thing that, you know, someone, Andy Reid will do that for Travis Kelsey. To Kyle Shanahan will do that for George Kittle. They will find their best players and find innov- innovative
0: ways— and non-traditional ways to get them more involved in the offense. Yeah, you know, one of the guys that I really like uh, was one of the rookies they drafted um, was uh, Darwin Thompson out of uh, Utah State. Now, he to me could be—he's one of those you know muscular guys with who's really shifty as well. He could be that um, instant replacement. You know, I mean, if you're going to have a guy, and, and again, this goes back to Andy Reid thinking, maybe he's the guy that steps in, boom, and uh, becomes that, oh, gee, our latest find uh, nugget in the rough, and he's not really a nugget in the rough because he's, he's well-known in the college levels. Uh, and uh, But I, I, I think that might be uh, something that uh, fantasy fans want to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, and I, you mentioned it earlier. The preseason is where a lot of these guys are going to start to make themselves known to – potential fantasy owners and just fans of the game is they'll start to show up in the preseason. Then all of a sudden, one or two games into the season, they're starting to get four or five catches a game or six catches. And all of a sudden they show up in a big moment or two. And then all of a sudden, the rest of the season, they're a big
0: part of the offense. Not a great defensive unit. That's what we're looking at, too. So well, they're gonna, they're gonna, not they're gonna last
1: year they months. weren't. But if you look at some of the acquisitions they made this year, they... You know, uh, they added in in not only in subtracting guys like Eric Berry and D Ford, uh, they brought on some players that um, you know, as I mentioned when we were talking about the Seahawks, Frank Clark. The Seahawks lost him, lost him to Kansas City, and uh, you know I think they're going to build you know, around some of the pieces they have and try to make an impact. Their their defensive coordinator, Bob, I uh, um, forget what his name is from last year, he's gone now. And, uh, again, defensively they know that to get where they want to go, which is the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they've got to take that next step and become an impact defense and be able to cause turnovers and get key sacks and stop drives and get the other team's offense on the field, so that they can get their Im, uh, Im explosive offense on the field.
0: You know, they lost Steve Nelson, one of their top corners, uh, went, went to Pittsburgh, and uh, they lost the other defensive backs. So uh, they have to make amends uh, to you know bring that defense back. And uh, I think
1: you know well, they
0: did Tyrant Matthew. Yeah. That's that's the other DB that they added. Does uh, what I kind of wanted to ask you: Does the fact that their team has had off-field issues with with Hunt and and, uh, and Tyreek Hill um, does that affect the rest of the team? I mean, uh, in I know we talked about well, a couple weeks ago. We talked about Pittsburgh and the distractions of Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. and Antonio Brown. Uh, these are major distractions too, especially in today's NFL. Yep. How does that affect a team like the Kansas City Chiefs?
1: Well, it takes your focus, which, you know, your focus as a player is it, it's, it starts, you know, the night before you eat, you study, you go to bed, you wake up at whatever, five in the morning or whatever to go to work, and you get in early, you, you have a routine of maybe it's working out uh, weight-wise in the gym. Maybe it's watching some film before before the meetings begin. Then all of a sudden you go through the meetings of the day and you start to learn the game plan of what's upcoming with your opponent. And that's then you go to practice and you watch film after practice and there's just a rhythm to all that. Off-field incidents during the season disrupt all of that. It doesn't, it doesn't take your focus off of what you're doing all the time, but it takes it off enough so that you might not be as sharp the week You know, while these things start to pile up, if it's one distraction, okay, maybe that's you can get through that. But then there's two, three, four, five. That becomes a that starts to take its toll, because it's uh you think about it, the NFL season it's 17 weeks, 16 games long, and it's so you're not playing every day, but mentally there's you there's it's a seven week seven day week where there's you have your uh you know you, you physically you have to recover from the week before and mentally you have to recover emotionally you have to recover and that's win or lose and then you've got to there's all certain steps to prepare for that following game and i think my impression and my experience is that off season or off the field issues will disrupt that whole flow
0: mm. looking next to the next team i think um well, here we go, a team that you played for as well. It's the last team that you played for in your NFL career. Right. Uh, of course, it was the San Diego Chargers. Now it's the Los Angeles Chargers. And, again, we started the quarterback position because that is the one of uh, probably two constants with this team, and Melvin Gordon being, the I think, the other. Uh, you have to start with Philip Rivers. And Philip Rivers has been around a long time, and he's still performing at a high level. But... Do you think he gets the respect uh, he deserves or do you think he is where he should be in the minds of NFL fans?
1: I don't know. I I don't, you know, when people think right now who are the top quarterbacks in the league, first guy pops out is Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Phillip Rivers is not in that top four, five, six, seven (laughs) category. Somehow. But yet, there's no doubt he's going to the Hall of Fame. Um he just hasn't done that one thing yet that people attach greatness in quarterbacks to, which is to win
0: a Super Bowl. And that's sort of an inherent thing in San Diego. You had Dan Fouts doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Dan Fouts and, and uh, John Hadle uh, going back a much longer time. It, uh, I don't know what it is with the San Diego teams. Uh, of course, now we're talking Los Angeles, but we're still talking the Chargers. Uh-huh. You know, let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that's just like, why?
1: Well, I, you know... Sometime, well, for whatever reason, that just winning Super Bowls associates your legacy with greatness. Mm-hmm. Yet there's been some not great quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. Really a reflection of the way the organization structured and put the team together or the way the coach put the team together, the general manager. And that quarterback just happened to be that guy that year that won the Super Bowl. But they had a great defense, mm-hmm. or they had a great something else, and he was just along for the Brad ride. Matt Dilfer is one of those guys you talk about goes to the Super Bowl, and it's like— Brad Johnson. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness, Brad Johnson. I even forgot about Brad Johnson. <laughs> I think everybody was Brad Johnson. And, and, to
1: and, and not Brad to take Johnson. anything away from these quarterbacks, because to play in the league, you got to be pretty good. Yeah. But um, that doesn't mean you can take any team to go win a Super Bowl. That means that— you know, for those particular years, Ter- Dillford happened to be on the greatest, maybe one of the top three defenses of all time in the NFL. And he wasn't even the quarterback for all 16 of their games. Right. So um that can happen also. But Phillip Rivers has been, you know, he came in as the guy who eventually replaced Drew Brees. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And... Nobody in San Diego is, or at that time in San Diego, and certainly with the Chargers now in LA, no one's complaining about that. No one's thinking the Chargers made a mistake. But Phillip Rivers, from, you know, has played through injuries. He won some big games. He was the year that, remember that if you think back in San Diego with Marty Schottenheimer as the coach, they were playing in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. The defensive player, I can't remember what his name was right now, intercepts the ball with next to no time on the clock, and all he's got to do is fall down, and the Chargers go to the Super Bowl. Instead, he doesn't fall down. He fumbles it back, and the Chargers lose that game, and the the, the Patriots go on to the Super Bowl. So it's just uh, not Phillip Rivers' fault
0: that they didn't get to that Super Bowl. You know, it's interesting, too. um, The Steelers were looking to draft Phillip Rivers, and a lot of teams were looking at a draft. No, no. Rivers. They, they were down to two two guys, and yep. uh, it was Roethlisberger mm-hmm. and Rivers. And it was a high draft pick yep. that year for the Steelers, and they were a team in transition. And the more they talked about Phillip Rivers, the further down Ben Roethlisberger fell on the list. And they surprised everybody by taking Roethlisberger. And actually, Bill Cowher didn't want to take Roethlisberger. He wanted to take a lineman. Who nobody remembers, and an offensive lineman, and everybody's glad that you know Art Rooney overruled him. Mm-hmm. But um, so those two guys came out the same year, and you look at Roethlisberger's career, and they've had both had great numbers. Mm-hmm. Gonna, you know, both them yep. great, solid quarterbacks. Right. Roethlisberger's been in Super Bowls. Philip Rivers is on the outside looking in still. Right.
1: And why was Philip Rivers? I'm sorry. Why was Ben Roethlisberger in? The, well, just go back to their first Super Bowl. Their defense, that's what took him to the Super Bowl. And he didn't make mistakes as a quarterback. Right, And who knows, there's all sorts of different recipes for how to get to a Super Bowl as a quarterback and win a Super Bowl as a quarterback. And, and sometimes you win, the team wins, despite you're the quarterback. So it's, there's no magic recipe to it.
0: And we say all this to look at Philip Rivers with 32 touchdowns last year, only 12 interceptions, over 4,000 yards. He's a top-ten quarterback. I, In my opinion, even if you don't like Philip Rivers for whatever reason, and you're not, you know, <laughs> Maybe
1: you're a North Carolina, University of North Carolina fan. It, it That's could the be only anything. other reason I, mean, I could think know,
0: of. The thing is, the man puts up numbers. And for fantasy, it's volume and it's numbers, and, and uh, his... Defense isn't going to get him the ball back a lot, and he is going to hand off to Melvin Gordon a lot. But at the same time, he's going to throw the ball downfield. He's got some good receivers. But before we get to the receivers, let's go to the running back situation. And I think they have one of the better running back situations in the NFL uh, with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. You would think
1: they would. But before they even get started this year, Melvin Gordon's agent comes out and says if he didn't get a contract, he's not playing you expect that to happen? No, but that's (laughs) not the best way to start your season off is to alienate yourself from your own team, franchise, owner, everybody. And do we all know Melvin Gordon's a great running back, top three, four running back? Yes, we all know that. Does he need to make the statement right now to try to dictate his contract and force the hand of the Chargers? No, he doesn't, but he did. So that is that, to me, gets the team
0: off the wrong, on the wrong foot, I think, to begin training camp. And, you know, uh, uh, Charger fans just have to look at the Le'Veon Bell situation, which has turned out horrible. He ended up going to the Jets for less money than the Steelers offered uh, on an inferior team. And is Melvin Gordon going to look at things and say, I don't want to go there? This is a situation that's coming up more and more. And the NFL, I mean, we knew about it in baseball, the basketball, it's been happening. But the In the NFL, it's been going on for a long time, but it's never been like it is now, at least in my opinion, uh, where you've got a whole lot more pressures and everything so that the guys were going to sit out an entire year.
1: Well, well, look what Khalil Mack did, and it wasn't even a free agent. He forced the hand of the Raiders to trade him even though he was under contract. Yeah. So if you're a dynamic... Top tier player. You can. F- you don't have to wait to free agency anymore, which is what Le'Veon Bell did. Yeah, and which is what Malcolm Gordon's trying to do now. I think there's a a part of s- these players internally that, as you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell got less money by going to the Jets. Does he care? No, because why? He got to dictate the terms of what mm-hmm. went on. It for uh, well here we are the NFL hundred year season. All this time, the owners have been in charge of what goes on in the contractual lives of players. Tail wagging the dog, isn't it? So now the players have have gotten a taste at that table, and they're like, I don't care. I'm, I'll, I'll play where I want,
0: when I want, for how much I want. We look at Melvin Gordon. I mean, the guy, uh, wherever he goes, he's probably going to put up good numbers. I mean, he's been— uh, Undoubtedly. I, yeah. I, I love this kid coming out of college. I mean, he, he was in my top— uh, Four rookie running backs, uh, certainly. At well, at least time. you didn't miss on him. Yeah. yeah, no. Well, I did. I didn't get him. Somebody else got <laughs> but him. But at, at least Hornby. you had him scouted. I up. had Yeah, I, I did. And um, but you know, the other kid out there is Austin Eckler, who if he could be the real benefactor of a Melvin Gordon holdout or would be a real benefactor of a Melvin Gordon holdout. And I think I think Eckler is just a real stud. I mean, this is a guy who uh, rushed for over five yards a carry, as did uh, Melvin Gordon. But I, I think that this is a, a kid who could really be a, a game changer.
1: And a dual threat game changer. He had a com- nearly a combined thousand yards rushing and receiving. So uh, again, Melvin Gordon can catch the ball a little bit too. So you've got you know, two threats right there that uh, going into the season, a lot of teams do not have that option. They don't have one, much less two dual threats back there.
0: Yeah, this this reminds me of what the Chiefs had before the off-field incidents. You know, they had guys who could just break out and run the ball anywhere. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I, I like that. And I think... Um, who doesn't like What yeah. fantasy owner doesn't like that? <laughs> well, you know, the other situation, though, is so you run into the NFL, and, you know, there for years we went with a single running back. Now we're getting back into more of the dual running backs. Almost uh, exclusively. Yeah.
1: There aren't any such as anymore as having an offense
0: with just one running back. When we had the H-back for years, you know, where you just had the one running back running behind two tight ends and a, a hybrid, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I, I like the fact that uh, I, I'd still like to see the fullback uh, – more, see more activity and, and more offenses. But uh, I think with the fact that you know, guys get split out uh, from a running back position to where you're a wide receiver because of the influx of the passing game and the way the NFL has become right. mm-hmm. a passing league, uh, you know, uh, I, I like that. I just wish to see that maybe the fullbacks played a bigger role. But they don't, and they're not going to until some other – Offense comes in and changes things around, and it's the new flavor of the month. So right. To speak. Uh, here, name three fullbacks in the NFL right can't now. You can't. Yeah, can't, no. No, you're not going to do it because, they, they, first of all, they never carry the ball. Second of all, they're there just to block. And who remembers anybody that's just there to block? Right. I mean, Lorenzo Neal was the
1: last fullback oh my gosh, that played for what, 16 years maybe? and was dynamic with every team he went to, mm-hmm. but he never stuck as a team no.
0: longer than two or three years. And Houston, uh, I think he also— San Diego. San Diego Tennessee. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, just all over the place. Yep. And, but again, it's a name you do remember yep. um, if, if you're a hardcore football fan because he was there and and, and made a major contribution even though he would, wasn't the, the glamour guy. Uh, moving to the wide receivers, and so we got uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, uh, Travis Benjamin, all guys who have uh, made their marks. Um, you know, uh, they've all had probably better seasons. Keenan Allen really stood out last year. Uh, Mike Williams didn't catch as many passes, but half as many, actually less than half as many as Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. but they still averaged a 15 yards catch and caught 10 touchdowns. So we're talking Keenan Allen, who had uh, three shy of 100. And Mike Williams, who caught only 43, but averaged more and had more touchdowns. So um, who's your RB or your wide receiver one in, in that tandem? Mm, I would say
1: Keenan Allen. He's mentally, I think, so solid that he's, there's, you're not going to see a dip in production. If anything, it'll go up. And uh, Mike, Michael Williams, however, I think has got the potential – to be a top tier receiver and but he 's not there yet it's going to take a mental approach by him every day, which hopefully has started long ago in this preseason that he ca- he becomes the consistent uh guy who shows up every day that Philip rivers can rely on and then and then s- that role for him grows throughout the season
0: honor Henry a tight end. Um... What do you think about Hunter Henry?
1: Well, I, I I don't think a lot just yet because he hasn't done a lot just yet. That, that's been um, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the tight end? I'm trying to think of. It's been there for, like for fifty five years. Oh, Gates, uh, Antonio Gates. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I we'll see. I guess, but um, you know, be, someone. I think Henry's going to probably step up. Uh, I believe in start to exp- have his role expand some, it's going to be tough because it, like, they've got other playmakers around
0: you, other options. You know, one of the things that um, uh, you look at with San Diego, because Philip Rivers is 37 um, and he's fought through some injuries and, uh, you know, the, he, he might get Oh, banged up. You always have to look. Look after how that. long these quarterbacks are playing. These days. I know. It's amazing. And it thirty seven. He's thirty seven. Yeah. yeah, Aaron Rodgers is up there. I mean, these guys. I, Breeze, I, you know, and I think. Brady. You tell me. Is that um, uh, because of the rules that have been put in in the last twenty years to protect the quarterback? Yeah, I is think so. It? I think I mean, so. You and took I think, some dings. Yeah.
1: Well, I think. But I true. But there's. Um, I think. Certain type of players like a Philip Rivers, there's no doubt in my mind. If he wants to play into his early 40s, he can no problem and be doing exactly what he's doing today, throwing for over 4,000 yards, over 35 touchdowns a season, and you know he will, like Tom Brady's done and Drew Brees has done, as they learn as their physical abilities start to diminish somewhat, they learn how to make
0: up for it in other ways. I want to talk a little bit about um, the kid they drafted. Now, they acquired uh, Tyrod Taylor as a backup, and, and that's okay, and Tyrod Taylor's going to be just out there. He's going to be out there if you want him. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why you would, uh, As at least in, in your draft. You may pick him up later if something happens Philip Phillip Rivers. But uh, the kid from North Dakota State, Easton Stick. Now, Easton Stick uh, drafted by the Chargers in the, the fifth round. And the uh, first quarterback they've drafted since 2013. And I, I guess what I'm getting at here is... If you look at a kid like Easton Stink, um, you hope he sticks, number one. No, no pun intended. No, no, actually, pun was intended. Um, if you're in a dynasty league and you're looking at rookie quarterbacks, obviously one of the top rookie quarterbacks you're going to be looking at is a kid we discussed in, in, in the last show, and that's uh, Tyler Murray. Mm-hmm. But um, what about somebody who is like an Easton, uh, Easton Stick, who, um, more than anything else, is playing behind and getting an opportunity behind a guy that's 37. Now, you mentioned he could go on to 41 years old mm-hmm. uh, if he wants to do that, and I would think he may. But when you look at future quarterbacks, yeah. is this someone that maybe you might be looking at to to pick up ahead of maybe some others? Uh, Tyler Murray Murray's not going to be there probably when you're ready to pick a guy like this.
1: I don't know. I'm, and Hopefully, at 37, Phillip Rivers is not going to get a lot of playing time in the preseason. Where... Eastern Stick might, and that way you can kind of evaluate
0: as a fantasy owner, is this a guy I'd want to latch on to? I want to move right on to a team that is um, either love or you hate, and that, of course, is the Oakland Raiders, and the Oakland soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Always, always a team in transition, and (laughs) it's it's. Yeah, It's just the way they are. It's the way Al Davis built them. It was like, okay, give me some old guy who's over the hill Right. everybody says is uh, done. And, and I'll then take let's him. all move to Vegas. Yeah, uh, or Los Angeles and then Vegas or right. back to Los Angeles or wherever we're going to uh-huh. go or uh, can't go across the bay, but we'll come back to Oakland because everybody in Oakland loves us and they're all crazy anyway. But that's, I'm talking about fans. I'm not talking about people in Oakland. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, I think I want to start out uh, we'll get the Derrick card. But I want to start out with the acquisition of Antonio Brown. They traded for Antonio Brown from the Steelers. Who, the Pittsburgh Enigma. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, Antonio Brown is still at the top of his game. Uh, Tony Totap, some people call him, some people call him Tony Touchdown. He is still one of the finest route runners in the game. No doubt. He is uh, going to catch...
1: You Over a hundred,
0: you would think, and I and I'm I'm not going to go there, and I'll tell you why. Because I will, um, and he will. I, I would disagree with you all, all the way down the line on this one, because first of all, it took him years to develop the relationship he had with Ben, the back back shoulder throws, the know the cuts. Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger. Derek Carr, in what way? I I don't think he's t- as talented. I don't think he's I don't think he's as uh, good a decision maker. As um, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and I, I say that without bias. I've had both guys on my fantasy teams. I drafted Derek ha- Carr a few years ago, pretty high eventually. Right. Um having but Roethlisberger did throw what sixteen interceptions last year? Yeah, that, and that's fine. But he also threw how many passes? You know, he threw for over uh, what five thousand yards? Right. You know, so uh, I, I think in the course of volume, that's okay. But and he caught you know. Um, up until last year, uh, Antonio Brown was catching uh, 100 passes a year from Ben. I don't see Derek Carr being that guy, not this year. I think Antonio Brown will want to be that guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he will fight to be that guy, but I just don't see it happening this year. Maybe next year, and as Antonio gets older, maybe not. You know. But I do think that Derek Carr is not going to have the same impact and the uh, same connection with Antonio Brown that Ben did. You know, I
1: I would disagree with you in that I think Antonio Brown is still Antonio Brown. Derek Carr recognizes the talent that he has. John Gruden, who calls the plays and instills the offense, also recognizes the fact that Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. So I think he's going to step up and deliver what they brought him there to do, and that's be Derek Carr's number one option in the passing game.
0: Well, I don't doubt that he's going to be the number one option. I just don't think that uh, it it's going to click like they hope it will or like they're hoping it will and
1: plan uh, that it's going to
0: Well, the good news that. is we'll be doing this all year, and we'll, yeah. we'll come back and revisit this. <laughs> I I think, yeah, this is going to be one I think we're going to talk about every week. Uh, You know, he's got other competition out there. He's got Tyro Williams, uh, J.J. Nelson. I mean, those guys are not going to be the number one target. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has a decent tight end in Darren Waller. But um, let's, let's talk a little bit about Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr did throw a lot of passes last year. But I've never seen him be the consistent quarterback that he needs to be. And he's had good players around him. It's not not that he ha- hasn't had good players. He hasn't maybe had the quality of an Antonio Brown. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I mean, he threw a lot of passes, uh, and he didn't throw many interceptions. He also didn't throw many touchdowns. But as far as what you look at Derek Carr, obviously his brother, uh, David Carr was a top NFL quarterback. No, uh, well, and I mean top draft. David pick. Carr was the top draft. Pick. Yeah, but it, he ended up uh, setting records for the most sacks. Yeah. spent more time on his butt than he. he did. Had, uh, he had a to... tough
1: time, in my opinion, making quick decisions. That's mm-hmm. why Derek Carr struggled, or Derek uh, David Carr struggled. But I, but I like a Derek Carr. I don't see Derek David Carr. I see his own. David Derek Carr is his own quarterback.
0: Well, I do too. And, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm comparing them to that. I mean, I'm. I'm talking about more of. The knowledge that he gained from his brother, mm-hmm. uh, obviously they had a relationship and they would talk and one wants to be following the footsteps and mm-hmm. has been better than David. You yeah, know, you I mentioned. think by far. Uh, and I, I don't have, a, have an objection there in, in, uh, in, in that statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, am wondering, you know, does by osmosis and just educating and being around his brother, does he pick up a lot of good stuff as well as... Good stuff not to do. I
1: don't, I think David Carr's influence on Derek Carr is not on the field any longer. I think the person that's going to impact Derek Carr on the field the most this year is going to be John Gruden. And he's got a, he's, you know, a proven, winning, successful head coach who's won a Super Bowl against the Raiders, having coached the Raiders the year before. And I think. John Gruden is going to have the kind of impact on David Carr's career in the way that he helps David Carr make good, consistent decisions. That's it. David Carr can throw the ball accurately with anybody, and he's athletic, he's big, he's strong, he's uh, everything you'd want, I think, in a potential successful NFL quarterback and has been successful at times in the NFL. So I don't see why that wouldn't continue. And I think Gruden, having experienced last year and the tumultuous season they had, beginning with losing Khalil Mack to the Bears, uh, is, I think, just realized that this is a new NFL um, that had a stranglehold uh, in a negative way the the salary cap did on two huge players for them last year, Khalil Mack and um, uh, the receiver I can't think of his name out that went to the Cowboys, Mari Cooper. Oh, so Cooper, right. so um, you know I think Gruden's going to have a very positive effect on Derek Carr's ability to take that next step that he's already taken,
0: but do it on a more consistent basis for a longer period of time. He's also got uh, two other guys, which we mentioned, who are coming in. So this is going to be a learning experience. for. I mean, you've got your top three wide receivers are all new guys you haven't played with before. You've got uh, uh, not only Brown, but you've got J.J. Nelson and Terrell Williams. And so Williams coming over for the Chargers and Arizona's uh, J.J. Nelson coming over. So when you've got three guys coming in that are all new, what kind of impact is that? I mean, is that, is that a good thing because you're all kind of learning together? Or is that a bad thing because now you all have to start over? I, well, it just depends on
1: who we're talking about. Uh, that could turn into, if you're, if you're Derek Carr and you're on a team now with proven um, playmakers around you that you have to step up to get at their level, that could be an issue. Um, that could add potential pressure to the situation. But you're seeing
0: these guys on the same level.
1: Whereas, yeah, if you're now all in this together with a new coach, with Gruden, uh, actually he's not new, but his second year, and now you've got some young up-and-coming players around you that they're not firmly established in the system either, I think that makes Derek Carr's job. Certainly he's got to find the consistency and the comfortable feeling that goes along with being able to rely on new people around you. But I think that if that takes place over the first two, three, four, five games, his
0: second half could be uh, outstanding. Uh, Look at the tight end position. I mean, uh, they let um, Jared Cook go. Uh, Jared Cook left too. Yeah, yeah, went to New Orleans. And uh, so, you know, the the tight ends this year are going to be Darren uh, Waller and Derek Carrier.
1: Uh, I don't think the tight ends with the Raiders – no tight end that uh, John Gruden has ever coached before has been, um, you know, I'd say the, the, the most dynamic tight end in the, you know, certainly not top five, six tight ends in the league.
0: So what you're saying is stay away from tight ends with the Raiders. I would. As long. a
1: fantasy player, I would, yeah. A yeah. fantasy fantasy owner. Um, I, I think they're gonna, there's going to be a number of playmakers step up this year as in some of the names we've just talked about. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to. I don't think Waller's going to come out of the season with ten touchdowns, okay. which is the way your tight ends are going to make you know points for you. That's George Kittle is going to have ten touchdowns and probably will be up near a thousand yards again.
0: When you look at uh, the running back situation, they're probably going to go with uh, um, you know uh, a rookie running back. They drafted like Josh, Josh Jacobs here. from out mm-hmm. of Alabama pretty yep. high, and um, he's. Not a guy who had a lot of carries in college, so he's going to come into the NFL with um, that limited experience. But not a lot of miles in the odometer. Exactly, yeah. and, and that could be good. It could yeah. be a workhorse right. if if he is productive. Uh, but at the same time, it's not something um, that uh, Carr is. I think, going to be able to rely upon uh, more than uh, the the passing game, which I think uh, is going to be their focus this year.
1: Yeah, and I think Doug Martin, who came in last year and ended up starting, now he's going to provide some depth to probably Josh Jacobs is going to start. And we'll, as you mentioned, Josh Jacobs did not get an extensive amount of playing time in Alabama, but he got enough to show what he can possibly do as a running back. But he didn't catch a lot of passes. He didn't... Those are all things that now I think his role can start to expand over this, not just this year, but the next two, three, four years. And, um, you know, I think there's tremendous upside, upside to Josh Jacobs's career with the Raiders.
0: When you look at a player like uh, Doug Martin, and, uh, you know, he's been around for quite a, quite a while, on Tampa Bay, if I remember right. Yep, uh, I, exactly. I, I remember drafting him... Um, Number of years ago, uh, pretty high when he was uh, was a rookie uh, running back coming out, and I uh, really liked him a lot. And then he got hurt a lot. And uh, then last year he has a decent year with the Raiders. Uh, is he the type of guy that? Um, I mean, he's not going to be your RB one, but uh, nope. is he going to be an RB two or more like a flex player? What uh, would you classify?
1: I would. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get. Um, Enough playing time to be like a tier two running back. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be more a guy that, that you could catch if he was to, if say Josh Jacobs gets hurt for, an ex- for two, three, four weeks and they end up, um, they've already had their bye. And so now, um, you know, Doug Martin could get, you know, three or four or five games in a row. He's a versatile enough back where he's going to catch some balls out of the backfield. And he's, he had a productive, uh, you know, he had rushed for, what, over four yards of carry last year. So, and that's the kind of player he's going to be every year. So there's, he's the type of situational back in a fantasy league that could come in for three or four games and be a productive running back for you.
0: Denver Broncos. Interesting team, that's uh, for sure. Uh, um, a lot of changes going on over you there. You know, yep. the, the thing I like about the Denver Broncos is they got Joe Flacco out of the NFC, uh, the AFC North, right? Yep. <laughs> My nemesis for so many years, you know. Um, Flacco was always one of these guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, he throws a very high softball,
1: right? Uh, uh, so, when you mean high, meaning
0: like can throw deep? Uh, well, d- deep and, you know, not so much... Line drive as a lofting. Uh. He, yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco has
1: got, an, in my opinion, he's got an arm along the lines of um, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'd say they're probably, if he had a, a distance throwing contest, they'd be within a yard of each other. Really? And, yeah. And he can throw, you know, falling down, falling backwards. He can get the ball out there. That's not the problem. And he just, he's not... He's not as dynamic with the ball in his hands, moving around and making people miss as Patrick Mahomes. But throwing the ball, reading coverages and anticipating throws, I think you know, he's as strong as most quarterbacks out there. The times that he gets in trouble is when he doesn't follow his instincts, when he holds the ball too long or he tries to be too perfect. If he just drops back, reads the defense, lets the ball rip, he's solid.
0: You know, he looks like he's moving into like a situation that he was in just a couple of years ago with the Ravens. Same type of team, uh, maybe one running back who uh, all of a sudden comes up and in, in, in has a decent season, breakaway threat, uh, a couple of decent wide receivers, a good tight end, um, a team mainly built on defense. Mm-hmm. And if he can do what uh, enough to get through, get the offense some points, um, let the defense take over, uh, and, you know, not really a big-name cast built around him? Uh, would you? I mean, I kind of liken that to the Raven teams that he played with for so many years.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, just look at their schedule. The first four weeks of the season, they, they're they at Oakland on Monday night, then they host Chicago, they're at Green Bay and, Jackson, and then home against Jacksonville. So in those first four games, you're going to see what you know how Joe Flacco approaches his role as the quarterback of this team, where their strengths are. What what he perceives is how they're going to win games. In the in as you mentioned in with the Ravens, they won a lot of games defensively. He just didn't have to make a lot of mistakes, right. and he didn't. So, I, if that's what you're going to ask him to do, if you're you know, As John Elway puts this team together, if he's had a conversation or two being an ex-Hall of Fame quarterback himself, or actually a Hall of Fame quarterback, but used to be the quarterback in Denver, you can only imagine he's probably sat down with Flacco a few times and said, look, here's how we're going to win games here. We brought you in to be doing exactly what you did for the Ravens. Just do it here, and we'll be fine.
0: You know, the thing I like about the Broncos um, is not the current players. I th- well, one current player. Uh, it seems they've gone in a good situation. If you're a dynasty league, in other words, if you're in a dynasty league where you're building for the future, you're, you're taking rookies higher. Uh, Philip Lindsay would have been, you know, a, a great pick last year. Cause for sure, yep. undrafted. He'll rookie. be a great pack this year. Yeah, a thousand yard runner, a five five yards a carry plus nine touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I think starting there, and then we'll get into the other rookies I want to talk about. Uh, Philip Lindsay is. Do you think he's a flash in the pan? I mean, is this no. a one-time thing? You think he, no. he, he's, he's one of those guys that's going to be around and solid for years? Solid for years because if you've, uh,
1: you know, I listened to a few interviews with him, I think it was after the season, and he played all last year and probably will now forever, Is he's played at Colorado State, um, was not uh, coveted by a lot of teams went to denver he's a hometown guy and i think he looks at the fact that he wasn't drafted um as this is i'm going to prove myself every single day on the practice field and whoever we play i'm going to punish them for not drafting me and i think philip limsey is going to carry that attitude into the locker room every day which is going to in itself
0: lift up the rest of the team in that fashion you know, we look at uh, somebody like Lindsay who, like I said, just came out of nowhere, over 1,000 yards. Uh, um, and I'm wondering, uh, does he develop as a pass catcher under Flacco?
1: Yes, absolutely. He had 35 catches last year. So uh, as a— Yeah, but 35
0: he, isn't 70. It's know. not 70, but
1: it's his first year. Hmm. And he didn't have Joe Flacco last year. So I think they're going to find ways in this offseason, and probably have already— where Philip Lindsay can start to become a more pivotal person in not only the running game, but the passing game as well. And now you've got an experienced Super Bowl-winning quarterback uh, with the Ravens now and Joe Flacco, who comes over to the Broncos. And there's no reason why Philip Lindsay's numbers and production can't rise. Last year, remember, he was a rookie. Mm -hmm. He'd be be at this a while.
0: Well, Noah Fant, uh, the number one pick for him, tight end. And I look at Noah Fant as someone... Uh, who, good size, six four, out of Iowa. Uh, somebody who makes an impact this year.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I if if you've got you know, think back to when they had Shannon Sharp. You know, was at that time, and he was not a great inline blocker, but they didn't need him to be. Tight ends in this offense, um, I think, if you've got some ability, some athleticism, and can get down the field and put pressure on defenses there's no doubt you can be a, a
0: down-the-field threat. When we look at the wide receivers, and uh, I do want to get to the backup quarterback who's a rookie uh, who was drafted uh, fairly high out of Missouri, but uh, I want to take a look at the wide receivers. Uh, one guy who uh, came up with Antonio Brown, and that, of course, is um, um, I can't think of it, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Emmanuel Sanders led the team in, in receiving last year, over 12 yards catch, 71 catches. Cortland Sutton, who has been... Um, Sort of, a lot's been expected of him, and uh, he's starting to produce uh, uh, at at this point. Uh, I I think that um, those two guys are okay. Uh, I think um, Emmanuel Sanders still has some something left. No doubt. Uh, yep. I think the fact that uh, he did play at the same time Flacco played in the uh, AFC North uh, a few years ago when Sanders was with Pittsburgh, I think it gives them a little bit of knowledge uh, toward each other, I hope. Uh, I, I would like to see Emmanuel Sanders continue on a, on a good path, much as I don't like Joe Flacco. But uh, <laughs> that's just that's just fan fan talking here. Of course. But, um, uh, but I really think that Emmanuel Sanders is still uh, a wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. I would not uh, consider him a uh, tier two wide receiver. There's a lot of great guys. Of course, it depends on how big your league is, how many teams you have in your league. But Cortland Sutton comes along, and like I said, I've always liked this kid. Uh, I think, is this a year that he steps it up?
1: I think so. I think that, uh, you know, Cortland's going to benefit from the fact that he was there last year. He's now got a more experienced quarterback um, in, in a system where, as you mentioned before, they've got a solid defense. Uh, and I think Cortland Sutton's going to grow and mature and probably already has a bit this offseason. More's going to be found out about him in the preseason. But, he, you know, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton, I believe, will push each other. Emmanuel Sanders is, a, uh, in my opinion, uh, mentally tough. You know he's not going to be someone that's going to back down. He's more like an Antonio Brown type of player, where he's going to uh, work to de- work hard enough so that he can demand the ball. And Cortland Sutton's going to have to ride along right with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that will that sort of attitude will will
0: uh, kind of flow throughout that receiver room. You know when um, dynasty uh, general managers are looking at uh, future quarterbacks, um, I like. Their number two draft pick, Drew Locke. Yep. I don't like the fact that he is a Missouri quarterback. Okay. Can you name one Missouri quarterback that's <laughs> been a star in the NFL? Do I want to? <laughs> no, I don't.
1: Uh, and you're probably right. I can't, even if I try. I,
0: I know there's a Missouri fan out there that's saying, "How about you know?" Right. And I'm saying, okay, what didn't come to my mind first? All right, um, Drew Lock. I I do like. I really do. And I Good, think because he's an excellent quarterback, I, I think he is, and I think he could be. One of those guys who could be a starting uh, fantasy quarterback, not this year, maybe not next year, maybe mm-hmm. the third year. But you know, even though Elway's teams have not had great luck picking rookie quarterbacks over the last three or four years. Well, I think
1: that they, they just broke that uh, cycle because I think Drew Locke has everything going for him. He's if you see what he's performed like in college, um there he's a pro style quarterback there's no reason he's not going to succeed he's the future of the broncos not joe flacco john flacco's there for this year possibly next year but very soon this team's going to you know belong to drew lock and he's athletic he's accurate he's got a strong arm he makes good decisions he does everything you'd want a pro quarterback to do and so it's just a matter of uh, when that's going to happen. It's not going to be five years from now. It's going to be more like, if not at some point this year, then possibly next
0: year. Yeah, they, they went uh, on defense. They went uh, for uh, some cornerbacks and picked up some defensive help there. Uh, as we uh, wrap this one up, I want to take a real quick look at the defense. Uh, uh, you mentioned that uh, they don't have a bad defense. They didn't have a great defense last year, but they have added uh, some players. Well, if you look at last year, they added Bradley
1: Chubb. So out of NC State, tremendous uh, defensive end and pass rusher, to to go along with Von Miller and they Shane Ray is an excellent linebacker for them. And as you mentioned, uh, you know they they drafted some help in the secondary. And Chris Harris Jr. is a very solid uh, DB himself. But they picked up Bryce Callahan from the Bears and they picked up a few other guys in the draft. Kareem Jackson from Houston. Yeah. So there's you know. They're trying to round out, I believe, their roster. So not just they don't want to just uh, load up one side of the ball or the other. They've got I think their sights set on, you know, what was it? They were six and ten last year. There's no reason they can't go, you know, nine and seven, ten and six and be right in the hunt to get uh, to either win the
0: division or at least get to the playoffs. All right. You've been listening to Kramer and Brill, your fantasy football podcast with former NFL quarterback Eric Kramer and award-winning sports broadcaster and fantasy football expert, Bob Brill. Join us next time each Thursday night for Kramer and Brill. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find that link right on the homepage of our website, kramerandbrill.com. Next, we're going to go to the NFC South as we uh, go around the NFL division-by-division previewing the players as we head toward this new NFL season. For Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill, reminding you to come back for more fantasy football insights.